Let's say you were asked to line up your 10 most valuable cards and you were given no further instructions. How would you define valuable? By dollar amount? By how scarce they are? Aesthetics? What if you were asked to define value as what a card means to you? This is one topic I talk about with today's guest, Rob Gerard, the sports card therapist. Without Rob, there would be no shallow end. That's a topic for another day, because here, today, we have a ranging conversation that left me feeling optimistic about cards and collecting. And I hope, to some degree, it has the same effect for you. I'm Dave Schwartz. On Instagram, you can find me at Iowa Dave. And in this episode, Rob and I talk about taking short breaks. We talk about cards and kids, mothers and fathers, and a rarely discussed superpower of vintage cards. Welcome to the shallow end. So I'm really excited to finally have on as a guest, someone I've talked to behind the scenes lots of times, but have not yet had on. Uh, most of you know him as the sports card therapist. He is Rob Gerard. Rob, thanks for being here. Dave, thanks for having me on, man. It's uh, it's an honor to be on your podcast. Well, this is fantastic. So the reason that I wanted to really talk to you today about cards is, is I've heard you talk in the past about some of the meaning that the cards have to you and the way that value goes beyond the dollars and cents of cards. And we'll get to that in just a second. But before we get to talking about how cards matter and how, you know, beyond the money, you and Ken had a fantastic conversation last week in which uh, you were talking about this idea of, of a national hangover. And when I heard that, it just totally resonated. And I thought that we could talk about that for a few more minutes because I think this is something that a lot of people feel and there are other content producers out there and people who, who, you know, aren't even on Instagram who, you know, just go to LCSs everywhere who I think feel the same sort of thing. This idea that there's some sort of like a buildup to national. And I know that, that not everybody goes to national, but for those who do, it's, it's like a holiday. It's like the Super Bowl of the hobby. And here we are three months later, almost. And, some of us are still feeling the effects. So could you just sort of recap what it is that you and Ken were talking about and this and this sort of feeling that's in the air of the hobby for so many of us right now? Yeah, man. And and you and I were definitely talking about this before we hit record as well. But, you know, it seems like, you know, on my on my podcast, you know, I kind of just it's not me so much doing a social commentary of the hobby. It's really just me talking about things through my lens, you know, like I think most great content creators do um, such as yourself. And, you know, through my lens, uh, I, I felt it the last few years that once September comes around, like once fall really starts to kind of kick into gear it does feel like I'm like, okay, I need to take a step back and not a, a step back from the hobby in general, but yeah, I guess maybe a hobby in general, because like you said, I mean, the, you know, when you know, you're going to the national, when you know, you are going there, there's such an excitement about it. It's almost like that excitement you feel when you have a huge vacation coming up, whether if it's going to Walt Disney, going to Paris, going somewhere, and you know it's coming up. There's no feeling like an upcoming vacation. It's a beautiful thing. And then afterward, I would think that immediately afterward, like with a, with a vacation, you feel that kind of hangover. It's that like immediate letdown. You get home, you're exhausted. You're like, oh my God, now I have nothing to look forward to. But the thing is with the hobby for myself, it feels like there's so much 
national recap stuff and not only for me to create but also for me to consume i love hearing about it through everyone else's eyes plus there's the huge build up to the nfl season too so for me it really feels like once september hits it things kind of like like whoa hangover like okay i gotta take a step back i've been going so hard for the last four months in this hobby um that i think i need to really just kind of take a step back for a minute and, and catch a breather if that makes sense yeah totally and i think it's only natural you know and i went back and looked and i think the first time that ken sports card lessons i think the first time that he mentioned the 2023 national was in a january episode of the sports card lessons show <laughs> you know you know i think you said it's here 2023 is here and now it's time to think about the national so i think it's only natural right that and i don't think that we should build it up less i think it is such i hope that people who have not had a chance to experience it and who want to get the chance to right in 2024 or 2025 at some point because i this was my first one anyway and it, it it met and then exceeded expectations and yeah sure i got some great cards but just being able to meet people whose voices you've heard, you know, or you've talked to through DMs on social media or whatever. I think that was really what was the highlight for me anyway. And and the cards, of course. I love seeing the cards. But yeah, I think I think just as as humans, not to get too deep, but they we you know there needs to be a come down period. I I, I was thinking back to I, I had this video, this VHS when I was a kid. Um and it was hosted by Al Michaels and it was called great sports moments of the eighties mm. and had the, had a top 10 countdown, but if it was just those top 10, it would have been, you know, five or 10 minutes. So they put other great moments in there as well. That didn't quite make it. And one of them was magic Johnson's first game, which I think technically was 79, but it was the 79 80 season. And his very first game, Kareem hits a buzzer beater to win. So the Lakers moved to one and zero on Kareem's buzzer beater and Magic, who is fresh off the national title at Michigan State, and as you know, as we know now, is this is this beautiful. He celebrate. He celebrated like they won the championship, right? He went berserk. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I remember that. He went. He's hugging. He's jumping up and down. He's grabbing Kareem, and he's going berserk. And 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 then in that video, that old VHS video, it then cuts to an interview with Kareem in which he said, "Yeah, I had to sit Magic down after that one because we couldn't keep that emotional pace up the rest of the season." <laughs> I appreciate his enthusiasm, but we were going to burn out by January if he kept this up. And I think that's sort of what is with the national. We can't keep that up the whole time. There needs there needs to be a downtime. It, it's why you know it's why different shows used to have uh, you know reruns because the actors need to go on vacation and the writers need to go on vacation. We need a vacation. I love that analogy. I love that analogy um, because that that is the way it feels, right? And and I think like like you were saying with ken's episode once like january hits and the actual new year hits i mean there are shows that there are content uh podcast shows out there that are already counting down to the national 2024 so i think once january comes and, and you look at that calendar you're like okay let's go this is game one first game of the season let's go and um and yeah i would agree and then once you know if the national or the month of August feels like the NBA finals. And yeah, I mean, I think we all deserve a trip to Florida afterward. Yeah. I think it was, uh, I think it was card talk and Ryan card collector two on his first episode after national said we are 300. Was it 62 days away from the next national? And I heard that and chuckled and thought, no, just a little, little break. That's kind of what I need is a little break, but I think a better word might be like a, like a recalibration, right? I think that's a good, good thing that we can be or at least me personally can, can be doing right now is figuring out what's important, catching my breath. Kids are back at school. Like you said, football starting baseball is winding down. It's, it's like the off season in a way, and it's still going on. There's still action, but you don't have to be quite as involved if you don't want to be. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about this hobby is that, you know, I think we use social media as, as almost not a guide of how to hobby, but it's almost like a guide of how others hobby. So we see how other people are hobbying. And sometimes, you know, I can forget that, like, you know what, Rob, you can take a step back from posting. You could take a step back from 
from trying to keep up with the Joneses and figure out who's who and what's what. And, and you can really just, you know, take a break, take a break. And, and that is the way it's felt, you know, and, and with my show, usually I drop two episodes a week and uh, for the month of September, and even I think going into October, there were some weeks where I just dropped one episode. That was it. And, and I did it really without an explanation. I just didn't drop a second episode. And really that's because, I don't want my content to ever like feel forced. I don't want to ever feel obligated to have to put out something if it doesn't feel like it's coming from the heart. And, you know, like you said, a nice recalibration is, is, is needed. And I think we all recalibrate in a different way. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm right there. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny. I think I think that being able to step away, you know, the cards aren't going anywhere, right? The, the cards are not going anywhere there. We know that the printing presses are on. But we know that that except for a few rare cards, pretty much any card we could possibly want is going to be popping up at multiple times per year. The cards aren't going anywhere. People aren't going anywhere. I think we're better collectors. I think we're better hobbyists if we do you know, step away from time to time and get some perspective. But um, I, I want to move on to, to, to the main reason that uh, I, I wanted to talk to you tonight. Uh, I recently picked up a card. Uh, I bought it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it had to go through the authentication process, of course. And, and for whatever reason, it stayed <laughs> in Florida being authenticated for what felt like like a week and a half. It just sat there, right? You know? Um, but I finally got it. And that card is a 1959 Tops Bob Gibson rookie. It's a card that I've had multiple copies in, in and out of my watch list now for, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say two years, probably mm. more than two years. Wow. And, and, and the reason why I never bought it up until this point is I couldn't find the right copy or... I got distracted or, you know, I wanted something else more. And sometimes I just didn't want it as much as other times. The story behind the card is that uh, I'm from St. Louis. I'm a big Cardinals fan, but Gibson retired when I was something like two years old. So I never saw him play three years old, but he was my mom's favorite player. And my dad and I are close, but he's not a big sports fan. But my so my mom was the one that got me into sports and into the St. Louis Cardinals. And she was so into sports that when I started paying attention to football, at the time, the St. Louis football Cardinals were in town as well. And I'm just giving you some background about her, how much she enjoyed sports. Now, what, what year was this when you say the St. Louis football Cardinals? Uh, they, I think they left town for Arizona around 86, I think. But around 81, the Raiders go to Super Bowl 15 playing the Eagles. Uh, they were still in Oakland at this time. And for Christmas this year, I get a hooded sweatshirt with the Oakland Raiders on it. And I'm like, oh, says thanks. Says, thanks, mom. But what about the Cardinals? And she goes, no, they're owned by the Bidwells, and I will not let you cheer for that team. So she just went and got an Oakland Raiders because they happened to be the good team at that time. So that just gives you an idea of how devoted to, to sports that she, she was, right? So Gibson was her guy. And I got this card as a way of, honoring her thinking she, she, she passed away long time ago. Oh five. So 18 years ago. And mm. I start, I, and once I ordered it about a week later, I just had this random memory pop into my mind about you talking at some point about what Mickey Mantle meant to your father. Mm. And then, you know, as things do in life and in, in the hobby, one thing spins out into another thing. And next thing you know, you start thinking about this idea of cards having value beyond how much that they're worth financially, how much one can flip them for, how much you got them for and ended up trading it for and whatever and whatnot. Do you remember talking about that on the air, the idea of, of your tie to mantle through your father? And, and do you still sort of feel that connection if you don't mind me asking, do you still feel that connection now? Yeah. Wow. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely feeling all the feelings right now. Uh, just as you're talking, um, 
even before you asked me about my dad, just you, you talking about your mom and you saying that, you know, she's been gone since 2005 and, uh, and my, my father's been gone since 2014. And, you know, so as you're talking about your mom, Oh five, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, okay, so that's, so right there, that's, you know, 18, 19 years that your mom's been gone. And, and my mind went to like, I wonder if Dave, you know, now that, you know, you have kids and now that, you know, you have a family and stuff, right? Like, um, do you wonder, do you look back like throughout your day? Do you wonder like, I wonder what my mom would say to me about this. I wonder what my mom would think about this. I wonder, cause I, I, I always catch myself thinking like, what would my dad think? You know, like what would my dad think about this Mickey Mantle card? You know, and and you, what would my mom think about me finally getting this Bob Gibson card? Um, but yeah, so that's my mind was just kind of really like spinning when you were just talking for a minute. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I've spoken about Mickey Mantle and my father probably a handful of times, and and a handful of times might sound like a lot when I say it like that, but. When I look at the fact that I'm coming up on episode 220, I've probably only spoken about Mickey Mantle and my dad, I want to say maybe five times. So, yes, every time I've spoken about it, I absolutely remember exactly what I said and 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 all that good stuff. So, yeah. Isn't that amazing? I think that's sort of the, the beauty in some way of, of vintage in that it could connect us to stuff through generations. And I, I have some modern cards, some ultra modern and, and whatnot that, that, I, that I, I hold in high esteem, that I hold in high value. But to think back to previous generations, to people who held the cards that put the pins into the cards that now created today's modern PSA one, because there's a pinhole in it. I love to think about the stories that the card if the cards could, if the cards could talk, you know, mm. what would, the, what would they say? You mentioned, you mentioned, uh, what if my mom knew that I had the 59 tops Gibson? I don't know if she would be, she might say she was impressed. You know, I don't really know what she would think, but we actually, we actually got her a card. My wife and I got her a card, uh, for Christmas of 04. It was a, a 1972 Tops uh, Tops Gibson, um, and I told the story on on Dennis Zender's podcast once. Um, I'll just tell it again real quick. So, got her the Gibson card, 72. She loved it. It was, it was something she, that she didn't expect. And then, 05 it was about six months later is when she passed. And so, a few weeks after all the hubbub of things like funerals and whatnot. I went back down to St. Louis to help my dad clean up some stuff and move some stuff around. And I'm in their room and I look in the corner of her mirror where she got dressed every day. And she's got that 72 Gibson tucked into the corner of her mirror. Wow. And it's like, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's like wow. so nice. And so I, was, I grabbed it of course. And dad didn't care. And I've got, and still, and it's ungraded. If I graded it, it might get an authentic because it's been beat to hell. Um, yeah, I think we spent a couple of dollars on it or whatever else. And I would ask myself, I'm like, do I even need the rookie? Do I even need the Gibson? Because I have the 72 tops Gibson, but I think just the collector in me wanted it in a different way. And I could have said that maybe it was for her, but really I think it was for me, but it's just kind of cool. Cause rookie cards are just kind of cool anyway, but there is that connection too. There is, there is that connection and that it, just to sort of put a bow on this point that I brought up, that's something that vintage can do that I don't think other eras of cards can do yet. Yeah. Very, very well said. And, you know, I've, and I don't know if it's, I think it's just like a combination of, because I've, I've felt strong connections between specific cards, specific players and my father. And I don't know if it's me trying to 
almost get a higher level of appreciation for this hobby and for the card that I've acquired, or if it's me trying to somehow spark a new connection with my father who's not here anymore. You know, I think I think it's probably like a nice combination of both. And sure. to think that to think that I can grab an object that I've never owned before or that my father's never owned before and somehow feel a new connection with my father. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's 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 all in my head, obviously, but it's more than in my head because it's in my heart. And if I can find a player that allows me to tap into something in my heart, that is like that's next level that I don't think all collectors get to experience. You just held up a, a card. Can you tell the listeners what card you just held up? Yeah, no, it's it's nothing crazy. It's a 1964 Topps uh, Mickey Mantle. It's a Topps Giant, so it's the nice oversized version. So it's a nice big version of uh, of you know Mickey Mantle, and it's just him looking. You know, his hair kind of his hair kind of coming from below his cap. He looks sweaty. He looks tired. He looks like he he's getting older. You know, like Mickey Mantle, you can see him. You know, through the years in his cards and. There's there reached like a point where he really just like turned the, the corner and really was just like kind of looking rough. And I think it's probably because of, uh, you know, the partying, the success, the alcohol, you know, a lot of that. And uh, and, you know, just it. I look at him and it's like he looks like such a blue collar worker. You know, he looks like a blue collar guy and my that's exactly what my dad was and and yeah i'm probably searching for some way to make this card even more meaningful than than it is already to me you know by saying like man this kind of looks like my dad the wrinkles on the forehead the wrinkles around the eyes it looks like mantle was up all night drinking but it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it, if it's a reach or it's not because for me it does feel real it does feel sincere and um you know i think especially when we're talking about parents, you know, like you talking about your mom, it's like when you started talking about your mom, I immediately wanted to say like, Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Like, but it's like, but it kind of sounds crazy because it was 18 years ago, but I still feel that, you know? So, um, yeah, it's yet another thing that our hobby does that is like one of these unexpected benefits. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm, it's strengthening my connection with with loved ones that are no longer here. That's amazing, and that's what I really latched onto with with what you said there, especially at the beginning. This this idea that it's a way to connect with someone who's gone, and plus with it being vintage. And I do not claim to be a vintage collector. It's it's a small minority of my PC is vintage, but something that is new to us is something that was present tense to them in in the past and as i'm looking at that mantle card that you held up i thought about you and i thought about your dad but i th even though I, I don't i didn't know your dad i don't know what he looks like i don't, I don't even know his name but i imagined him was it now 58 years ago whenever that card came out if he were to see that now he'd say oh i remember that right you know it, it's something that that he held new that you hold that's old but it's new to you you know it, it's just again it's the beauty of vintage the other place that my mind went is i wonder how good mantle would have been if he a didn't drink and b never stepped on that drain you know when he was when he was so young i cannot imagine yeah. what he would have been able to accomplish because he because he for him to play with that busted knee his entire career and then plus all the damage he did to himself after that and still put up those numbers I don't know. It's it's almost unfathomable. No, for sure. And and I mean, I think about someone like Mantle and his, you know, his excessive partying and his excessive drinking and whatever else he was doing. I mean, maybe that's what he had to do, or that what he felt like he had to do in order to survive in the fishbowl that is New York City and that is New York because even though there wasn't social media back then, even though the media might not have been as intense as it is as it is now, he he was just 
his entire career who's really playing in the shadows of giants and you know you think about babe ruth lou gehrig joe dimaggio i mean even yogi Berra was there before him and and yogi was you know so um so maybe that's what it took you know and and just to say like so you mentioned that bob gibson card and uh and and i could remember that card because i remember the set i remember the card and uh you know it's a nice picture of of i i believe it's a close-up of him and he's kind of like looking off in the distance and uh it, you know it's a baseball field in the background and uh you know what an incredible image you know of you know what was you know her favorite player for you know what was her favorite team for a while yeah absolutely it was you know from it was always it was always her team right mm-hmm. and uh just to, i can you can still see the sort of the sparkle in her eye when she would tell stories because the bob gibson stories are sort of legendary right the way how intense he was on the mound and i think one of my favorite stories is how he had a, a teammate who he always roomed with on the road and that I think about, I think it was, I think it was Bill White and he got traded to Philly or somewhere like that. And the first time they played the Phillies after the trade, he basically just threw at him, right? He, just, he threw it as his best friend and, and former <laughs> roommate on the road. And afterward, he's like, why'd you do that? He goes, well, you're not my teammate anymore. Right. And, and, and you know, there's just such that intensity there. Plus there was this, you know, the, the year of the pitcher, right? 1968, the one, one, two. Yeah. ERA. And the card itself is is beautiful. It's that it's that real vivid pink background. If you if you get the right one, um, for those who who don't know, the one I picked up finally was an SGC four point five. Mm. Uh, the pink is is really strong. Um, it's dead center left to right, but probably about two thirds, one third on the on the north and south of it. I mean, it's a four point five. You're not going to get perfect, right? Um, with just a minimal, if you squint, you can see some snow sort of below the right side of his cap. Um, very, very happy to add it to my collection. And then I started, you know, and then I just kind of spin it forward. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll, what will be vintage for today's kids, right? It will be, you know, will be Mike Trout or Shohei Otani or Juan Soto or LeBron, you know, depending, depending on what sport they happen to be interested in. And will they do sort of the same thing? You know, there is there is one, about one. There's one mainstream Mickey Mantle rookie. There's the 51. Yeah. And, you know, Gibson has the 59 tops. Now, not to be the get off my lawn guy, right? You know, but there are, are how many Trevor Lawrence rookies are there out there? You know, how many Juan Soto rookies are there out there? I, I don't know. Hundreds? Hundreds? How do you I think uh, I think the uh, I've seen a couple different numbers and which I, I don't even like repeating the numbers because they don't sound real. And I, I haven't actually I haven't actually factually done the research on them. But I remember hearing that Trevor Lawrence had and this sounds insane to even say. So I, I it feels like it can't be right. But over 5000 different rookie cards. <laughs> think about that. How is that even possible? Can you imagine like one of your kids or one of my kids saying to one of us in 30 years, like, Dad, as you celebrate your Christmas and you're 74 years old, I really wanted to get you this white donut orange refractor sparkle out of 149. It reminds me of growing up with you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah. No, and listen, I mean... really really cool stuff you know i'm not knocking modern there's there's very there's there's a few slivers of the hobby that i do pick up modern um probably no ultra modern though i don't collect any ultra modern um you know i don't collect i really don't buy any players that are currently playing even for my my teams i don't if they are playing i do not buy their cards at all and I don't I don't understand exactly why, but I mean I know that I just have a thing with nostalgia. You know, I I have this thing where um, you know, on a personal level, I love living in the moment. I try to live in the moment as much as absolutely possible with my feet both planted. But when it comes to the hobby, it, it, there's just something about looking back, 
you know, and, um, and yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's something so simple and so just incredible about there being a single rookie card for a player. You know, Joe Montana had a single rookie card, you know, as a player, you know, almost all of the goats, a single rookie card. And, um, you know, I don't know, but I, I agree. I mean, what, what would your kids get you, you know? Who knows? As long as they talk to me, I'll be happy. That I think that's the key. <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel different. It, it does feel different collecting a, an active player because, at least for me anyway, I, I start to hang on a box score too much and I start thinking about the financial value of the card too much, even though it might only swing $5 here or there, especially sort of how I, how I collect, right? It's just too nerve-wracking. It's just too nerve-wracking to me. Um, I, you know, I've got a couple of Otanis. I've got one Mookie. And and the reason I decided to go and get a Mookie bet is, is I was just... One, Scotty B cards is very convincing. But but second is that I was just, I've just been so impressed by his game and his longevity and the way that he can win a gold glove at five different positions. And I thought, I want to own a card of that guy. With I'm someone who, like, FOMO is real. And then rather than try to stomp it out completely, I've realized that sometimes getting just one is like enough. Like, okay, I've got the card and kind of move on. But then he, Dodgers get knocked out again last week. They get swept by Arizona or whoever in the playoffs. And then I see the stat that he's, Mookie is like three out of his last 30 in the playoffs. And my first thought isn't about the playoffs anymore. My first thought is, why did I buy that card? (laughs) <laughs> but it doesn't matter the card's gonna be fine the guy's got like 65 war by age 30 right he's he's he could be in the hall of fame now but you yeah. know i don't i don't get that right it's the old cliche that you know retired players can't get hurt retired players can't go into slumps and i think i just enjoy watching current sports more if i don't have to always have the second factor in the back of my mind of all right well you know I've got a PSA nine. Should I gone for the 10? Because now he's, you know, he's four for five and I can sell that tomorrow with retired players. I just don't have to worry about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm wondering now that you have the Bob Gibson rookie, have you had, were there any, what were the thoughts? What were the feelings around thinking of your mother from when you purchased it, you know, all the way through when you were waiting to when you have it in hand now. Were there any thoughts? Were you expecting there'd be more thoughts? Were you expecting there'd be less thoughts? Like, where are you at right now with it? And what are some of the things you felt? It's peaceful now. It, it got to the point where I either had to go or get off the pot, right? Where I kept not getting it. Like, I had. Well, a thousand opportunities to buy one. You can jump on eBay anytime now, and there's so many copies of these at any moment. And it got to be the point where it started to eat at me a little bit that I didn't have it. And I almost needed to acquire it, I feel, just to say, okay, that part of my collecting is done. My collecting isn't done, but that part is done. Mm. And if this really was such an important thing to me, why wasn't I doing it? And the reason why is because I'm, I'm an impatient person. I get distracted and, you know, I see a shiny thing and I turn to the left, another shiny thing and I turn to the right. And I'm trying to work that part of me out with the hobby. But with this card, it became as much as I wanted to own it because I love how it looks and because of I thought of it, it was honoring her. At the same point, it became almost a weight because I hadn't bought it yet. And I feel like I couldn't move on until I bought it. But I also didn't want to buy the wrong copy. I also didn't want to pay too much for it. Um, I, I know what I want out of vintage, which is centered. It, centered needs to, it needs to be re- reasonably centered and it needs to have good color. I don't care if the corners are beat up at all, um, but it's got to have decent centering on it. And so I finally, after I moved some cards, saved some money, I put it aside and almost miraculously for me, because I can jump at things sometimes I said, it's time. It's just time. And I got it. And 
uh, I didn't, didn't tell you this, but it actually finally arrived today. It actually came in the in the mail today. It was not supposed to be here until Monday, but sure enough, they just dropped it off today. And I opened it up and I took a breath like, okay, I love it. And as soon as I opened it, I was so happy that I owned it. Not from a relief point of view, but from like, this is a great card. And being from St. Louis and someone who who has a small PC of former St. Louis athletes across all sports, to have this in my collection now feels like a part of that collection is validated. It's real. You know, I want to add the 53 satchel because he's wearing a St. Louis Browns cap. Oh, you know, love that card. Love that card, right? Oh. Uh, Right. One of the most that satchel page is one of the most beautiful cards mm-hmm. in existence. I know they had four or five different artists for that set, and whoever drew, whoever did the ink on that satchel, yeah. Yeah. boy, did they hit it out of the park! I tell you, you are you know listening to your journey through the podcast and stuff. Which let me let me just say, man, it's been it's been an honor having you you know release it on the Wolfpack network man and and the the content you put out on a weekly basis is unbelievable like for me and i know it's not just for me it's for a lot of people in the hobby it's really become like must listen to podcast um content because i don't know what it is it's it's absolutely it's the way in which you deliver your podcast it's definitely your your voice your tone it's it's your inflection it's the speed at which you talk it's the stories that you paint but it it almost feels like and i know you're not an outsider because i know you've been collecting for a while and cards have always in some way shape or form been a part of your life right like you were talking about with getting your mom the bob gibson card but it almost feels like you are someone that is looking at the hobby from just a different perspective it's such a unique perspective it's almost like when like an outsider comes into a company and just shakes everything up and like and just changes everything like you have really done that and there have been a few of your episodes that have really stood out that um that have a changed the way that i collect okay changed the way that i collect and also change the way that I've done some of my content, you know, listening to, and and I know I, I'm not, I know you, I'm taking the show, this episode in a different direction real quick. So I apologize, but I just wanted to say that I wanted to like publicly, like really give you your flowers here because I mean, a few episodes that really stood out were, um, obviously you talking about all the content that you listen to you listen to like 75 hours or 68 hours of content in one week right um and and those were good episodes where you were actually going through that but i'll tell you what episode really did it for me it was the episode that you dropped i want to say like mid-september where you said listen like i haven't really talked about this but i haven't consumed any content in like three weeks and i needed that because it really did a number on me listening to those podcasts. And some of those podcasts really sucked. And what I, <laughs> you didn't say that I'm paraphrasing, but this is like what I got from it. And, and so many podcasts are talking about the same exact stuff. And, and you can't really stop that, right? You can't stop because a big event happens or something happens. People are going to cover it. But you talked about how, there were ways in which people really presented it with kid gloves, you know, with really good like bedside manner, you know, they were able to really talk about, you know, like, um, you know, the investment on uh, what's his name, the, the Florida player, the, the Rays. Oh, Wander Franco. Yeah. Wander Franco. You, you know, you had talked about how some people were like, just like complete jerks talking about that and then some people were really really good with talking about how you know with how delicate the situation that was but um you know I, I just took a lot from that i took a lot from that episode and when you were talking about just recently just in the last couple of weeks you had talked about how um what if you could sell everything and start over sell everything and let me tell you that episode was one of the biggest one of the biggest inspirations or thing that would got stuck in my head 
I, I moved a huge card last week that I would have never moved, but I moved it because I know that I'm really curating my collection in a way that basically you gave me the courage. That episode gave me the courage to move a card that most people wouldn't have moved. Well, thank you uh, for all that. I, I'm, I'm touched and I'm, I appreciate it. I'm honored. And I'm, I'm also excited to hear, I don't know if you're ready to talk about it. Did you, you say what's card that you moved or not yet? I haven't. No, I haven't. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. but it was, it was a, so we're talking about mantle. So it was actually a Mickey mantle. It was a signed Mickey mantle and it was a huge one. And it, and it was what I, what I thought was going to be a forever card for me, but I moved it because I knew there were some big auctions ending that had some really, really cool type one photos and, um, you know, and, and. I decided to do it and um, I actually was able to pick up a couple type one photos in, in last week's auction and um, I didn't get the one I was going for, but it doesn't matter because you seriously, your episode of like, what if you could sell everything, what would you keep? What wouldn't you keep? And um, you know, I, it just, it made sense for me to do it and it felt like, you know what? I know I can get, I might not be able to get this exact card back, but I know I can get something even better, even something that would really, really bring out the feels. Because at the end of the day, the one mantle I'm chasing is the 51 Bowman. I've already owned two copies, but neither of them were my forever copies. And I got them knowing they were just going to be placeholders. So I'm still waiting on that 51 Bowman centered Mickey Mantle rookie. That's the one. Yeah, and you'll get it. And and congrats on having the sort of the the knowledge and the and the courage to move to move that other one. That's that's really great to hear. I ended up not not doing it, um, moving all of my stuff. Um, I would have been left with um, with basically nothing. And I thought I, that's not a place that I really want to go yet on that. But it, but it's coming. And uh, for those who who didn't hear it, what I'm seeking out at some point is the 1948 Leaf. Jackie Robinson. Yes, I know it came out in 49. Um, but but it's still it's the 48 Jackie Robinson. And um I just got some really good advice from from people I asked on the show. I said, who can, you know, I, I said I'd love to hear from all of you or as many of you or your thoughts. And there was just wonderful, thoughtful points made on all sides, stuff that I thought about, stuff that I had never thought about, different perspectives. And and finally, a couple of people said, just slow down. You'll, you'll get there. I don't, there's, there's no reason that I have to get that in 2023. You know, I, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I'm not in my 80s or my 90s. It's it's, it's going to come around. Well, it, and I know that you you just started that envelope, right? You just started dropping 20s in your envelope. So yep. you'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. And, and, and that's the goal. Um, yeah, the thing with the content, that was... A fun experiment that will never happen again. It was, it was, I think it was 62 podcasts that totaled 55 hours in a week. Just want to see what it would be like. Now I've seen, uh, and, and now I move on. But yeah, you know, it really, but it also to, to sort of spin it forward, it really made me appreciate people who are thoughtful with their content and who, who are thoughtful who don't even have content. I, I just really want to give a, a shout out to all the people in the hobby, which is about 99% of them who, who don't put out content, but are just kind and, and thoughtful and have some really good ideas out there as well. Um, but, but for those who, who do put themselves out there, who feel the need to broaden their hobby experience by talking about it, either on YouTube or on podcast or Instagram or Twitter in some other way, um, to those who are creative about it, who you can tell are putting some thought into it, who are careful. I mean, basically every Wolfpack member, you know, Brett from Stacking Slabs and and 20 others who who I don't want to start listing people now who I do think highly of because all of a sudden you realize, uh-oh, he left out a name. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't want to, to get into that, you know. 
Um, but stepping away, much, much like some of us are taking a sort of a breather a few months after national to sort of to reset, stepping away from content was sort of the same thing. And and now I listen, I listen to, I still listen to it every day, but I listen to less every day. And I draw inspiration from, from those who uh, talk in ways that are respectful and thoughtful, but also, you know, come from an angle that I hadn't necessarily considered. And for those who decide to talk about the news, you know, somebody is suing somebody else or whatever, you know, Panini, Fanatics, all that stuff. You know, you mentioned the ones that were really thoughtful about it. The one that I just want to give one more shout out to was were the people from Let Me Get That Potograph, which is Drew Herndon and, and Scott. And I can't think of Scott's last name at the moment. But the day that they talked about Wander Franco and those allegations against him, boy, I, 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 I remember I was driving home from work and I saw what... I had to go. It was the one day I had to go into the office that week because I was home. It was during the summer, teacher, and and I saw it was another thing about Wander Franco, and I thought, oh God, here we go. You know, I think I just listened to two in a row. Here's a third one, and they start laying out all of their sources. They start saying, we got this from here, we got this from here. We don't know this, we do know this. Here's the sourcing on this. This person reported that. We don't know wow. this yet, so we're not going to say that. This is a really sensitive subject. We're not going to talk about his value until the end. And I, I, I was almost in my car, like throwing my hands up, like, thank you. This is, this is all they had to do was, was have some respect for their listeners. And for those who do want to go that route, I, you know, I, mean, I hope that they listen to, to Scott and Drew. For those who want to do the non-evergreen content, who want to talk about the news, which I think there definitely needs to be. There, needs, there is a place for that. And yeah. so I really sort of figured out what I liked and what I don't. Yeah. No, well, listen, man, you've, you've continued to do great things just on the hobby content front, whether if it's, you know, your podcast and, and sharing every day, sharing the daily podcasts that are released. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, it's, you are, it's, you know, Nothing else I could say, man. It's it's awesome to see that because really there's no one else doing that. And it's a super selfless, selfless thing. And um, and I think, and I could be wrong, but you starting to do that, I think kind of got you warmed up for people getting to know who you are, which might have then been one, some of the final pieces for you to say, you know what, I'm going to. I think I'm going to start a show. I think I'm going to start some of my own content. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So uh, as we're recording this, it's starting to to get late. So I just want to ask you one more question and then I'll, I'll let you go. All right. And I, and I did not tell you I was going to ask this. It just popped into my head now. So around, well, New Year's of last year, you put out this little graphic that you posted on Instagram for people to list some cards that they want to acquire in 2023. We are now about two and a half months from the end of the year. And who was it? It might've been Bleeker. I think it was Bleeker earlier this week reposted your graphic, which I hadn't seen in months. And they were showing, they were crossing things off. Yeah. Do you, did you expect to see that? Did you expect somebody to come back to that graphic that you posted about what your ambitions were for 2023? And now that you've seen it, now that Bleeker went and did it, would you like to see more to see how people, how people, whether they got their cards or not? Oh yeah, would I would love to, without a doubt, I would love to. Um, it, it was nice to see that Luke did that, you know, uh, from Bleeker Street Cards. That was that was awesome, uh, you know. So I think. 2023 was the third year I had done that and posted that up. 21 was the first year I did it. And, and I tell you, throughout the year, I will randomly get messages from people referencing their list. And so it told me that, okay, like this list, I think has kind of struck a nerve with people. And I know people, you know, they put out what their, you know, New Year's resolutions cards are and what their chase cards are and stuff. You know, uh, I thought by creating like a little, a little form that you can very easily just add text over and post was really cool. Um, you know, me being a psychotherapist by, by day job, um, 
you know, I, I believe in very, I believe in numerous things uh, that this list incorporates. First of all, I absolutely believe in the law of attraction. I believe that if you put something out in the universe, I believe that, um, that you have a slightly better chance of obtaining that or getting that, you know? Um, and I also believe in with my job, with all my clients, I mean, we have treatment plans. So, you know, I'm all about documentation. I'm all about documenting something and then coming back to it to review and, and say like, okay, this was the plan. This was the goal. This was the plan, how we were going to achieve that goal. So for the review, where are we at regarding this? So, so documenting things is, is something that is a major part of my job. So I'm like, okay, law of attraction, that covers the spiritual side. Um, you know, actually, you know, creating the list and having people write it down. Okay. That that's, you know, that's the documentation. Like, so the whole thing just kind of felt right, you know, and, um, and it, it's so weird because, you know, I could post that list on, I could post that list on a Tuesday morning. And for all I know, I'll get three to 500 responses on it, you know, and then, you know, on new year's day or something. But if I post it on a Saturday night, maybe there are a lot of people online. So I only get 30. So, you know, it's, it's like one of these things where just like with the Instagram algorithms, you never know what's going to ca catch on and what's not going to, but I know that it definitely tapped into something because like I said, throughout the year, people will email me or DM me and say like, Hey man, you know, I got this list, knocked it off the list. And randomly people will just like mention it to me and I'll be like, Oh, that's cool. I didn't even know you knew about that list. I know. I don't even think you filled one out, but that's pretty cool that it was on your radar. So. Rob, this has been fantastic. Continued yeah. success to you, and, and thanks for coming on. Thank you.